0: Welcome to the PK Experience. My name is Peter King, I'm the host of the show, and today I sit down with financial expert and advisor, thought leader and author, David McIlvaney. I heard about David McIlvaney from his book called The Intentional Legacy, which is a book that discusses how to transfer wealth from one family generation to the next, and um, the complications that arise from that. I was a little surprised when I read the book that it was not as financially heavy as I thought it was gonna be. It had much more to do with You know personal relationships personal dynamics and how to deal with different personality types and um, what to look out for when one generation is passing it on to the next you know what type of um, you know different personalities that uh, that impact the decision-making that is required of course to deal with a lot of money and estate money but um, again I, I found because there was not as much financial Um, focus as I thought there was going to be, there's a lot of really great information in there. Even if you don't have money or familial money, that is going to make a significant impact on your life. There's a lot of information in there that will help you think in terms of your personal legacy, regardless of your financial track record, if you will. So um, we talk about that and a lot of many other things on this call. It's a really great call. So sit back, let me know what you think. And here we are with David McElvenick. All right. With us is author of the book the intentional legacy, David McIlvaney. Thank you so much, David, for taking the time today. I'm very excited to talk to you. I have some personal reasons to be talking to you as my family is going through uh, legacy transformation at the time. But um, just going through your book, I've just I was fascinated with this concept of legacy um, from a familial standpoint. From generational wealth passing down, but also just in one's own individual legacy and what kind of legacy are we creating. So I think there's going to be members of my audience that, you know, both of those situations will pertain to them, whether it's, you know, generational wealth, preservation and growth, or just what is your own personal identity legacy, uh, especially as a man. So first of all, thank you again for carving out some time uh, for me today.
1: You're welcome. Good good to be with you. I'm glad we can have a conversation, Peter.
0: Yes. Um, so one of the things that really surprised me about your book, which totally makes sense, you know, now that I've read it, but um, I was expecting it to be more of what you would call a hard structure, where there would be more, um, you know, ta- tax uh, strategy and uh, financial strategy, etc. Where really the bulk of the book is much more about culture and value and heart. And I was, uh, I was very pleased to see that. So let's dive in a little bit into legacy and what that means and, and what you have seen th- that creates successful legacies. And then what are some of the things that are, you know, create common pitfalls in legacies as well?
1: Sure. Well, I mean, the concept of legacy, I think, is an inescapable concept. Everyone is going to leave a legacy of one sort or another. It's, it's just a matter of if it is the legacy that you hope to leave or if it's just sort of an accidental process at the end of your life, you look back and say, well, there it is. Um, certainly, you've got the, 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 the ideas of legacy, which apply to the soldier who may leave a legacy of courage or, or the teacher um, leaves a legacy of, of selfless investment in your students or his students um, So there's different versions of it and I, I guess how I would define it is critical to how it plays out in the book um, Which is really that legacy is the sum total of your values and of the culture and And really the aggregation of the choices that you make in life. So you're right. There is a, a family element to legacy Um, but there's also a very individual element, the choices that you as an individual make. So uh, to me, it's not really the case that, yes, you have to be married with two children for legacy to apply. You you may be divorced or widowed or single, or you still have the opportunity to ask questions about the trajectory of your life. And again, sort of what is orienting the choices that you're making um, such that at the end of your life, or at some future stage you look back and say it's exactly what it was hoping for that's that's what I was aiming for it's on target
0: yes h- hence the intentionality piece of this right so uh, I have found that in my life and in, in, and in others that I've come in contact with that often that intentional piece you know the, the ability to pause and to reflect and to think is almost not existent we're so busy we're so especially once you have kids I mean it's a <laughs> it's, it's inevitable that you're just going to be thrown into the fire and, and just without that intentionality be constantly putting out fires as opposed to preventing them in the first place. And then of course, building an actual foundation of an intentional legacy. Um, what do you see as the prime components of a successful legacy?
1: Right. Well, it's, it's a, it's a big question. Um, and I I would come back to that point of intentionality first. Um, you know, we know that sometimes our special forces, um, particularly the Navy SEALs, they, they get thrown into really tough situations, and that's kind of their job, is to figure out what to do in those situations. One of the first things that they do when they are on the ground is take what they call an appreciation. Mm-hmm. They sit, they stop, and they do nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, 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 and that opportunity to be intentional about your legacy or be intentional about your life does stop it requires you to stop and reflect and and that's really against the grain of our culture today mm-hmm. which is we are so busy we don't take the time to stop and reflect and to ask questions about what's going on in our interior lives what's going on to the exterior of our life but definitely has an impact on who we are and where we're going um, but that idea of of taking an appreciation which is just to stop and reflect is really important and and so I guess that's where I would start is is that successful legacies are intentional
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, They are intentional. I think if, if I were to say there's there's three elements which are really important It's that a, a successful legacy needs to be in, and we can expand on these if you want, but that they're intentional um, That They adopt some sort of, 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 a, of an ethic that allows for the disturbances of life to be managed and to, dealt, to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, I call it a redemptive ethic, you know, where you, you know you don't always get what you want in life, but you do have the opportunity to, to respond to it. And in the context of family life, you can either respond by eviscerating relationships or by finding a way back to where you want things to be. On an even keel, if something's broken, how do you fix it? If it's bent, how does it may, be made straight again? And so, After intentionality, I would say it's very important for there to be some sort of an ethic in the family which allows for things to be fixed because inevitably things do get broken. Mm -hmm. That's just the nature of life together is that things are not always perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the third thing is is to focus on the micro, uh, which is to say focus on the basics. Um, The little things that you do each day um, that are sort of the, the habits of life in aggregate, they, they end up mattering. So, you know, I'm, I'm not, a am not a personal coach and and, and I'm, 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 I'm not a theologian and I'm not a psychologist. Um, we, we run a money management company and, and a precious metals brokerage firm. And these two companies have been around 40 plus years. What, what we see so often is is the problem proverbially of what's been called shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves where you know one generation makes something um or adheres to a set of values but by the second or third generation it begins to be dissipated if if it's if you're talking about a, a real financial resource you know somebody in their lifetime becomes a millionaire but by the second third and fourth generation something's slipping such that you're back to starting all over again, mm-hmm. shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it kind of spans spans cultures and spans time. You, 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 you have the clogs to clogs, the the, the rice patty to rice patty, uh, the stalls to stalls. Um, but it's the idea that you're starting over because something wasn't communicated or there was a breakdown along the way. And to me, the, the focus on the basics, the focus on the small things goes along way towards there being continuity between generations Mm -hmm. and there being stuff that is in in the relationships that matters I'll, I'll, i'll give you an example um you know i'm married um i've been married for about 18 years and my wife and i decided maybe a decade ago that we were gonna have a date once a week and it's very simple but we're we're far more Religious, if you will, about our date night than we are to <laughs> going to church on Sunday. I mean, it, it matters to us, mm. and it's a time for two adults to decompress, to think about where we're at and where we're going, to express um, either frustrations on the one hand or you know what's really working well. It allows us to sort of assess what's going on in the family, and 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 I'll I'll tell you, I I, I know folks that don't carve out time with their spouse even on a monthly basis. And you know three four months can go by before you know an excuse comes along like Valentine's Day and, mm-hmm. and, and your hand is forced mm-hmm. socially you're obligated to play mm-hmm. and it, That one thing I would say has been critical towards our relationship continuing to grow And you could pick one thing in every relationship you're in whether it's with um, a best friend um, a daughter A brother, where you adopt a habit, something very small, but you do it over and over again. And over weeks, months, and years, you find that it has fortified you and it has fortified what you're a part of in aggregate in in, in very significant ways. So, long answer to a short question intentionality, uh, an ethic which allows you to survive disturbance, and a focus on the basics. Those would be three things that I think. Are really important for moving a legacy in the direction that you want it to.
0: Yes. Uh, just out of a, a quick side note, curiosity question: When you go on these date night uh, date nights, you mentioned that you know it's a time for you guys to reflect and stuff like that. Is it? Are you intentional about? I mean, that almost sounds like a meeting, like a business meeting. Are you? Is it that, or is it no? We're just gonna go have fun, and and if things come up, then
1: they come up. Yeah, I mean. It, it, Every week's different okay. every week's different. so you know sometimes Peter it's it's uh, hey, let's just go to a movie and and, and kind of veg out. It's just it, for entertainment value only. Um, other times you know it's it's almost like a walk down memory Lane going back to being in college and discussing big ideas again mm-hmm. and and lively conversation about things that don't necessarily tie out to anything practical, but really kind of an intellectual sparring. Other times it's problem solving because we're trying to figure out what's not working. Uh, with with one of our kids, where we we look at certain behavioral things, and we go, what are we missing? What, what, do can we dial something back, or wh- where can we meet their needs in a different way? Um, you know, or sometimes it's just pure romance, a bottle of champagne, and you know, uh, staring longingly into each other's eyes. I mean, so it it, it covers the the, the ambit, and you know, I think there's different seasons in life where maybe there's a little bit more. Um, amazing romance in one season or you know down to brass tacks we've got a lot of problems to solve here and we just kinda know that there's some ebb and flow and uh, enjoy each season for what it is.
0: That makes sense and part of the reason why I asked you that more of a personal question is because a lot of your book is really guidance. It's pointing to you know the heart and soul and the value of, of creating a successful legacy but I'm curious in some of those, like very uh, in the minutiae, in the in the tangibility of how you actually go about doing that. So, uh, thank you for answering the question. Um, So, uh, for being a non-psychologist, I was fascinated actually with a lot of what I because I've I've studied a lot of psychology myself. There's a lot of psychology in this book because obviously we're talking about people. We're talking about you know obviously the, the the preservation and growth of wealth, but at the same time. All of that happens through the interaction of people. So um, you bring up some really fascinating points about uh, pitfalls to avoid in, in legacies that are unsuccessful. Um, help us understand better what are some of those common things that we need to
1: avoid. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I, I think, again, this kind of goes back to my background in, in the world of finance and money management. I I take the overlay of a balance sheet and and expand what is on the balance sheet and say that there's there's assets and liabilities that we're managing. Um, And in those assets and liabilities, you know, we're moving beyond the tangible aspects of a house or of property that you own or perhaps, um, you know, private ownership at a company or public shares that you may have in, 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 you know... amazon or caterpillar or w- w- whatever those are tangible assets everyone's familiar with those and how they show up on a balance sheet mm-hmm. the intangibles are resources just like the tangibles which need to be managed and 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 i i think this is where sometimes perspective is lost and it's frankly where you do edge into psychology and uh and in in relationship skills because you're talking about. Grace between people. You're talking about the cultivation of love. You're talking about the the skills of, of, of listening or what it takes to cultivate um, loyalty. Uh, you know, I, I've got four little people at home, and I can tell you when it when it comes to stuff versus relationship, very oftentimes they would choose stuff over relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what do we do in that interaction to create um, trust and a shared identity and to teach them how to forgive? I mean. All of these things go into the management of the resources that we have. And, you know, there's, I'm working my way around to your question on pitfalls, but I think it's important to frame kind of what we're doing and why it does go beyond asset management. Because so often, I mean, in 45, 50 years of being in business, My dad's generation, now my generation of being in this family business, we see families over and over again, whether they have $100,000 in aggregate or $100 million in aggregate. um, When there is sort of a reading of the will, it ends up being a free-for-all. It's what? And people get very, very selfish about me, myself, and I. There is no sense of us. There is no shared identity. There is no corporate purpose. There is no larger um, way in which they feel that they belong. And, 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 the, and this is this is really where I think some of the pitfalls begin to emerge, you know, where I see little people, our, our four kids, laying the groundwork for either massive conflict in the future or cohesion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's how they are sorting themselves out today as 10-year-olds, as 12-year-olds, and as they move towards adulthood and they either gain the skills of figuring out how to you know, bury the proverbial hatchet and get along and, and learn how to forgive, or there will be five and 10-year stretches. And, and, and I, I find this all the time when we're talking to clients. As you know, tell me about, a little about your family background, and well, I do have a brother, I haven't talked to him in 15 years, and I'm thinking to myself, if I hadn't talked to my brother in 15 years, I mean, that's just immediate science. Something happened somewhere along the way where there was a rupture in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It didn't get fixed. And it's hanging out there. And so what are we dealing with? Are we dealing with intergenerational baggage? Are we dealing with uh, an inability to forgive because a, car, a part of the core family values did did not embrace what that looks like? This conflict resolution. I mean, you know, when, when you have a problem with someone, do you rip their head off verbally, or do you have a way which is sort of your family ways of communicating that hey, you know, we're we're going to respectfully try to listen, actively listen, and 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 move towards an understanding and appreciation of what's being expressed, whether you agree with it or not. Again, how do you manage legacy when so much of it deals with your own strengths and weaknesses as an individual, mm-hmm. and in in what you ultimately have to choose? Behaviors that you choose in the context of somebody saying you've just been uh, the, the the bequest is is, is ten million dollars to you. How do you behave? Does money change you? Do, do you have a core set of values and, and a practiced life together, a shared identity um, a, a, as a group, such that you know you do cohere instead of sort of split off and go your separate ways? Mm-hmm. I really the idea of, of, of family wealth versus sort of individuals deciding what they're going to do with their share. Mm-hmm. Um, but where you look and you say, you know, look at what one generation has created, that there, there are some benefits that can be derived from being a part of the family. Um, it, you know, and, and here is what we are about. These are our objectives, whether they're philanthropic inject objectives or educational objectives, but where everyone has some play in it. And, and, and again, it comes back to uh, more of us versus versus just the individual.
0: Do you have any examples um, of, of clients that you've worked with where uh, the heirs were not necessarily all on the same page, uh, either personality-wise or you know whatever, but that then have a shared vision to success where they were conflicted maybe on a personal level, but they were able to put their differences aside and and actually have success in growing the the legacy.
1: Yeah. um, Well, I I think, I think apart, this is, this is where you do blend the hard structures and the soft structures. So real quick,
0: let's explain to the listeners what the hard and soft structures are.
1: Right. So hard structures would be if you're sitting down with, with a, uh, with legal counsel and, and and a tax advisor and are trying to maximize the transfer of wealth from one generation to the next or beyond one generation to the next You know from a dynasty standpoint um, Across time at 50 years 100 years 150 years um, Yeah, I, I, I think of I think of the Els family in Germany who's had the same castle in their family for 950 years They've successfully wow. taken something And, and it has spanned 34 generations. Um, so, so the decisions that they've made had to be savvy from, from a hard structure standpoint. Um, because if you look at, at, at the tax history and the political history of, of of continental Europe, there were lots of opportunities for them to be destroyed and for their wealth to be dissipated through external factors, and the hard structures that they set up were, 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 were pretty critical to their success. Mm-hmm. But even more critical were the soft structures. The soft structures are the things that we we're talking about earlier in terms of grace and love and forgiveness and courage. Um, for the Ellis family, it boiled down to um, sentimentality. Um, you know, what they recognized as a family is what they had was special. And each generation took ownership of the fact that what they had was special and they wanted to maintain it and they were committed to maintaining it through their generation and passing it on to the next, um, civility was another one of sort of the most important things for the Els family. Civility was, you know, basically a commitment that three brothers living in one compound three I mean, you, you look at this castle structure, there's basically three castles with one within one castle. Mm. Their determination was we're going to have conflict. But we're gonna resolve it with kindness. We, we have to constantly maintain dignity and respect in these relationships and we will be kind to each other. Mm-hmm. So, you know, address the externalities. Diplomacy was the third thing that, that sort of defined their success as a family. Don't don't get taken out by, you know, the, 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 the neighboring, whatever, whatever. <laughs> Diplomacy, civility, and sentimentality. Again, a lot of that deals with soft structural stuff. You you cultivate it when you're cultivating a family, uh, and, and 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 you're really talking about individual choices that deal with the books that you read, the conversations that you have, the poetry that informs your life, the activities that you enjoy together as individuals, the kinds of conversations that you have. Those all feed into soft structures. Soft structures. The reason why you like each other versus hate each other. Right. And the hard structures are. Here are the rules of the road. You know, the rules of the road are. You know, I'll, I'll just give you one one. You know, one example: a no contest clause in a in a in a in, in a trust document, where if you've got a major problem with this and you don't like it, fine, you're out. <laughs> I I'm I'm not a I'm not saying I'm a fan of that, but that would be an example of a trust document reading such that if you want to be a pain in the neck. And, and, and say, hey, this isn't fair, and I'm not getting an... Great, you, 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 we're done, the conversation's over. Mm. And I'm not suggesting that that's, that's the, the, the ideal, but there are certain things that are put into documentation, trust documents, dynasty trust documents, that lay out what the next 10, 50, 100, 300 years looks like in terms of what you can and can't do legally. You're bound to the document. Mm what we like what we like is is the idea that there is a loosely written hard structure but, but the real emphasis is on the soft structures where again it's not us trying to figure out you know are we following the rules but it's really are we caring for each other do we care about someone other than ourselves mm-hmm. and and look i mean I, every one of i'm i'm i have multiple older sister than me than a younger sister, than a younger brother. Mm-hmm. By personality, we're all different. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. Some of us are risk takers. Some of us are not. You know, and, and so you, you. Lots of personality studies you, you just string us out. We're all different mm-hmm. um, across the spectrum. We still love each other. Um, the soft structures are, 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 are there. And I don't know that my parents even were that intentional about creating them. Um, but through time, we've, we've created. I'll tell you one example of how we, as individuals, have cultivated soft structures within a brother-sister relationship. For years, we, um, now everybody's got too many kids, it's almost impossible to do. But, you know, some time ago, we were committed to getting together, all of us, once a year. Three days, so maybe that's a weekend in San Francisco where we're going to go to the opera and have three or four really good meals together, and walk around the downtown area, and and just enjoy each other. Just once a year, it's two days, three days, and that investment in relationship has continued to really create uh, you know this relational tie, which has been invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't raised that way. We just chose, in spite of our personality differences, in spite of our different priorities in life, to say the only way for a relationship to grow is to spend time together. Mm. And we're gonna take time out of our schedules to do that.
0: Mm. Yep, that that intentionality, I'm sure, uh, has breeded closer relationship, right? Which is, which is kind of the whole point is in, in carving out that time for each other. Um, one of the things, uh, or uh, uh, more, Sort of personal question that I have for you um, is the father son relationship in legacy. Legacy as a word is perhaps the most important word, I think, in the masculine experience (laughs) because it's about, you know, fulfilling your potential to the best of your ability and then preserving it in a way. And I think when the heart is aligned in the right way, it's how do I pass this on so that it can be something even bigger and better to my son uh, or, you know, to my family. And I, I don't mean to, I have a daughter too, so I'm not. Uh, I'm not taking women out of the equation, but I think there is a special relationship with men in this journey. So, um, I ask you because one of my other uh, podcast guests, Stephen Mansfield talks about the mandate that a father, uh, that a son has to receive from his father. And, uh, you know, my father has set up a, a, a lot of resources in order to fulfill whatever the, the mandate for me is getting clearer and clearer. But what really does scare me is the part of the book where you talk about um, uh, the cat in the cradle and uh, you know this the father that goes away and works. Everybody knows the song, you know, cats in the cradle. Um, how do how do you avoid that? What are the what are the things that a father needs to do with a son? I have a son that's ten right now, such that we avoid that so that we, so that we have that cohesiveness and the you know we're different my son and i are different but we're saying we're the same in some um, fundamental ways too how do we avoid the the proverbial looking back on my life going oh man he's just like me but in ways that are not healthy
1: well i mean it, invariably every generation has the opportunity to say you know what do i what do i want to continue with or not continue with some sometimes if you don't stop, I mean, I, that appreciation piece that the, the, the intentional piece, this is where it gets applied again, because you get to reflect on your father's life and say, there's some things that I love about him. And I hope, I hope that I reflect those qualities in my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's other things you say, as I do with my own father. No, no, I'm, I, I, I can take the best and I don't have to live the worst, but it's going to be, my looking carefully at my life and, and and saying how will I make that aspect different if it's an ingrained weakness or or if it's just something that didn't show up. I you mean, know, my dad was the entrepreneur that started our company and took all the risk, and a part of the price paid was time away. You know, three weeks out of the out of the month gone traveling, creating a book of business, um, speaking at various conferences, and you know, translate that into the life of a 10 or 12 year old, and you get a lot of this in the books. I'm sorry, it's a little, I mean, the only way I understand some of these things is is, is autobiographical. So hopefully people can look at it and say, all right, I get the idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, that's what I'm hoping is 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 that it just serves as an illustration. But my dad was gone, which meant that, you know, when I was at a hockey game or a lacrosse game or a soccer game, everybody else's dads are around the field. My dad wasn't there. Hardly ever. And, you know, here's how it's translated into our life as a family today. I am now in his shoes running a business that requires probably three to four months of travel a year. Mm -hmm. What are the choices that we're going to make as a family knowing that some of the aspects of our family life as I grew up weren't sustainable, didn't work? Well, here's what it's meant it's meant that. We've chosen to create a flexible dynamic with our kids' educations, so they homeschool, so that the whole family can travel when I travel. Oh, wow, that's cool. And and that means you know, we've set up some loose guidelines that you know, if I'm gone a day or two, it doesn't matter. If I'm gone three or four days, one of the kids travels with me. And if I'm gone a week or more, the whole family comes along. Wow. And it, the logistics of traveling with six is different than traveling with one, so it makes me more cautious about saying yes. To some sort of a dog and pony show that may take me on the road for two three weeks because I'm going to be doing it with the family engaged Mm -hmm. Here's one of the unintended consequences It's difficult to engage with our kids in in in, with team sports Because we may be gone for a week or two at Mm -hmm. a time So, you know, there's there's trade-offs and all of, all of these things you know, relate back to my experience, saying, okay, I experienced something from my father I didn't like, he's gone. Now I'm wearing his shoes in business and I can repeat the same exact thing all over again, will I, what does it look like and how am I gonna adapt so that we can prioritize something of value to us as a family. Now here's, here's the crazy thing. I'm sure that one of our four kids is going to say, I just wish I had played team sports. I, I wish, you know, and yeah. <laughs> so who knows what their reaction and response is, but yeah. my hope is that they're willing to engage with grace and say, look, I appreciate that they did the best that they could with what they knew in front of them, all the pieces on, 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 on the, of the puzzle in front of them. I'm going to do things different. And, 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 and I, I love my parents. I, I, I and I, 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 re- I respect the choices that they made, and, um, and I'm going to do things similar in some respects and different in others. We should be preparing the next generation to iterate, mm-hmm. to iterate and do better, to succeed us, not just succeed us in, in terms of taking over what they left, but actually going beyond anything that we could have done. I mean, the dedication of the book, I, I, I basically said, I hope my kids write a better book. Mm-hmm. I hope the story of their life is 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 one of greater success, and I, we could talk about how you define success in ten different ways, um, but on a comprehensive basis, that that's that's what my hope is. The father-son relationship that you're describing is is really key. Um, I work with my dad in some senses. I work for him. He's he's the majority shareholder of one of our two companies, and you know. Coming into the responsibility of running the business, I needed to know what that dynamic was gonna be. Father-son dynamic as well as employee-employer dynamic. And it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, before I said yes to coming out and working with the business, we also spent a couple of weeks um, meeting with some folks that know us very well. Business consultants, family consultants, transition consultants, uh, and psychologists, hmm. to basically say, can we do this? Or is this the beginning of the end of our father-son relationship? And if so, then then, then, then the business piece can stay separate. We don't need to go down this road. Um, so we were very thoughtful about how we engaged with it. Um, now, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the emphasis you put on father and son, because this weekend, this weekend... I am writing a letter to um, 10 different men, um, all of whom have had an impact in my oldest son's life. Mm-hmm. And I'm inviting them to share their wisdom um, and insight into what it means to be a man. And into oh, and, and how, how you move into maturity emotionally and spiritually uh, and, and intellectually and, you know, these many of these guys are, are guys that my son would view almost as as, as 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 surrogate or substitute fathers, something ever happened to me. And this is this is it's really important for me not only to share with my son where I think he's going in the next stage of his life as, as, as a young adult, but also for him to know that he's surrounded by wisdom mm-hmm. and surrounded by resources that go beyond what I can offer him. And I want him to have access to those resources. And God forbid something ever happened to me, I want him to know that there is there is there is collective wisdom and, and men who care about investing in his life and his future success from a business standpoint, from, from a relational standpoint, um, from from you know. So, so we're doing this this next week, and a part of the reason we're doing this this next week is we have a family reunion next week, and my brother's coming back from Indonesia. And, 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 and my brother-in-law will be in from Alabama, and, and my dad is back from the Philippines, where he lives. So we, we, have, we have a unique opportunity to speak into his life. And I think this is where, again, we get to curate something, right? Peter, you're curating something. You're curating something right now in, in, in our conversation. And and I, and I think a part of your dad asking you and your, your, your four siblings to, to read the book is also about curating a conversation and opening a dialogue so that you as a family kind of look at things on, on, a, on a more expanded basis. Yes, The idea of, of, of creative curation in the context of either your own personal life as an individual or on a more collective basis in the context of family, I think that's where legacy is, is, is it's really intriguing, it's really intriguing to
0: me. Yeah, I mean, given the situation, um, it's a tremendous blessing, but uh, but I'm really starting to feel the tremendous responsibility that comes along with it. Um, and I really appreciate, first of all, that practice of, of that you mentioned with uh, writing a letter to these other 10 men is brilliant, I love that, I'm totally stealing that. Um, uh-huh. But um, going back to the responsibility piece, what responsibility uh, – this is going to get into sort of a series of questions that I have on the actual transformation of of wealth and legacy. Um, you talked earlier in this conversation about um, – what, what was it? Shirt, shirts, sleeveless to sleeveless, I think. Right? Shirt,
1: sleeve, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves. Shirt sleeves mm-hmm.
0: to shirt sleeves. Um, that breakdown tends to come in the second to third generation. So the first generation builds – the second generation uh, sort of enjoys and then that third generation really doesn't have a connection to, to the principles that created it in the first place. Um, so my question is – well, f- my first question is what responsibility do the heirs in that second generation have to maintain the, the wealth created by the first?
1: Well, I two things come to mind immediately and this goes back to, again, sort of the soft structure side of the, the equation. One is appreciation. And the other is grace. Um, there has never been a perfect human being that's ever existed. And oftentimes in relationship, where we meet up with someone's imperfections is where we choose to create relational separation. Just be like, I'm forget it. I'm done. That grace to say, you know, nobody is all good or all bad. We're some composite. And, you know, to find the things that you appreciate, even the things that you don't like, appreciating them for what they taught you, what they informed in your own life, and the decisions that you've made in light of them. So someone else's imperfections may lead you to making a set of great decisions. Mm -hmm. Appreciate their imperfections. Mm -hmm. Appreciate their quote-unquote failure for what it has meant in your life in terms of the questions that have been presented to you as a result. Um, The the responsibility piece of the next generation, this, this gets to the, the heart of what is what is missing one generation or the next the founders have a certain skill set have a personality bent um, and have, have a certain life experience which allows them to operate in a certain way. Um, I think of a family that I that I know down in, in Argentina. Now, Argentina used to be one of the wealthiest countries in the world today they're facing a whole new round of devaluations. Um, the IMF just did the largest single bailout of Argentina, of, of any country in the world, $50 billion bailout just a few weeks ago. Hmm. So they're, 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 just in this nasty cycle. Well, this family was in this cycle too. The founding generation, this is a guy who was a scrapper. I mean, li- literally he was the best guy in a knife fight you could imagine. <laughs> a literal scrapper. <laughs> but he, but he was, he could also don the tux and play the part of the gentleman and he ran, you know, a couple hundred thousand acre ranch. So, you know, branding cattle, raising crops, getting the job done, he knew it soup to nuts. From from the, you know, the external side, what are, what are the ways in which you can get squashed like a bug and he was a street fighter. And he was willing to look at politics from that vantage point and realize that if you don't play as the diplomat in certain areas, you can be out of a business, you can lose your land, you can be taxed out of existence, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that was who he was. The next generation says, yes, we really don't like living on the ranch. We'd like to be in Buenos Aires. And guess what? A couple hundred thousand acre ranch, all productive, created a massive amount of wealth. And and, and, and the theme at the time was, and this is when Argentina this is when Buenos Aires was being built out as basically the South American version of. London and Paris combined, everybody wanted the fine house in downtown Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. So the equivalent of a Manhattan brownstone, these, these things are being put up down there, the whole family moves in. And they travel Europe and they do all this. Guess what they don't have? They can't fight with a knife, which means they don't think about conflict the way that their dad did. Mm-hmm. They, they're not aware of the acuteness of risk or how to solve it the way he was. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not able to hop on a horse and round up a 1,000 head of cattle in a weekend. So, so they're, they're migrating away from what made him successful. And I, th- I think to some degree if you don't have those direct abilities, you better darn well appreciate them for what they were and what they created and what happens if you don't have them. You don't have to be the spitting image of your father or grandfather. But you better well appreciate that your generation may not be the generation that takes 10 million and turns it into 100 million. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, b- because a certain skill set was needed mm-hmm. to go from nothing to 10. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a similar skill set to go from 10 to 100.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not going to be accidental. You don't have to... Perfectly mirror an earlier generation, but you better appreciate the qualities which made it work So again mm-hmm. coming back to that idea of appreciation and that idea of grace I'm kind of glad my dad's not a night fighter. I mean there's 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 the bar fight You know kind of that's not Don McElveen. That's not who I, I I'm, I'm the son of. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, he's an entrepreneur. He's a risk-taker There's certain aspects of that that I don't mirror. You know, I've started two, three other businesses, but do you know what it's like to start a business under the auspices of an existing business? Mm. Half to two thirds of the risk is mitigated. It's, it's so different than starting from nothing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So my version of entrepreneurship is there, but I recognize that I'm not the same risk taker. Now, Again, it, 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 it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly like him, but I can iterate, and I can change, and I wanna make sure that my boys and my daughter understand that they have to be hard workers, and they have to be men and women of integrity, and they can be their own selves. They they, they don't have to be like me, but the core values still need to be conveyed from one generation to the next. Hard work, honesty, and integrity. The, the, the things that are vital to success, you can iterate and put them on display in a different way, but you better appreciate them, and you better have some grace for the areas in which the earlier generations weren't perfect. Because, again, you won't – sometimes if you don't have grace for an earlier generation and their and their frailties and foibles, I, I said this earlier, it, it almost cuts off your ability to appreciate what they did bring to the table. mhm so,
0: Cool. Yep. For sure. Um, you, you sort of answered my next question, which was sort of uh, how as second generation heirs, do we make sure that we don't so that that third generation doesn't break it down. And I think that awareness, uh, of what the strengths and weaknesses are is, is perhaps your answer to that. I don't know. I don't want to take words out of your mouth, but, um, cause that obviously is where that breakdown often occurs and being the parents, you know, of, Potential third uh, generation heirs. I want to make sure that I'm I'm giving them the right things, the right tools. You know, you mentioned uh, actually. I think it was your mother-in-law, if I remember correctly, that um, that was honest with your wife growing up as a child and shared with her, "Hey, these this is where I'm this is where I'm failing. This is where I'm not doing so well." And that level of honesty and transparency, I think, uh, is very courageous. Number one, I th- I don't think a lot of parents communicate in, in such a way with their children. Is that something that you espouse? Is that something that you recommend? And um, it, would that be part, part of the way to mitigate, you know, the, the breakdown between a second and third generation?
1: I think so. I, th- I think honesty, transparency. I mean, I, I find that when I make a, a mistake as a, as a, as a father, um, everyone's aware of it. Mm-hmm. It, it, but it. But there's something transformational which occurs when I sit down with my kids and say I, I blew it, and I I, I need your forgiveness. Uh, that's that's not the way I should have talked to you, or I would have handled this differently, uh, and I wasn't thinking. And I just need to slow down and and it. their response is typically I know. I mean they understand where it's gone off the rails, mm-hmm. and um, there's no sense in perpetuating. You know, sort of the fiction of being a perfect father, or whatever else. So I, I've, you know, they know I'm not perfect, um, and that actually allows for a greater conversation with them to say, and I don't expect you to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I expect your best efforts? Yes. Do I expect, you know, I do have clear expectations and very high expectations, but I don't expect you to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I think candor is good from one generation to the next. Um, I think there is 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 training too, which is required for success from one generation to the next. You know, take take the issue of um, physical tangible wealth or or, or generosity. Um, I think that's something that you can work with your kids on, um, and, and not only demonstrate but invite them into participating, you know, in decision making processes. What what makes sense? What doesn't make sense? What is your priority, and, and how do you think about that? You know, we're mentoring little people to become big people, mm-hmm. and in that mentorship process, if you've ever been in the, in the business environment where you know leaders getting ready to step out, you, you can't you can't just one day hand the reins to somebody and say, "All right, I had it for a long time, and now it's on you." You, you need to teach that person how to make decisions. You need to give them the opportunity to fail and coach them through that failure. Um, there is To get a good leader in, 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 in the business environment to fill your shoes can take six months to three years. And that, and that assumes they've got the basic qualities. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about the next generation taking on the responsibility of, of a significant amount of wealth it's no different. And and yet what we see is lack of communication between one generation. next. either because they don't trust the next generation or they really don't want to disclose to the next generation what's next. And, and, and sometimes that's wise. I mean, think about think about what life would look like if somebody stepped into your your world at age 16 and said, look, at age 21, you're going to have 10 million dollars in your bank account at age 45, you're going to have another 30 million dollars out of that bank account. What kind of decisions do you make in terms of your life trajectory? Are you as critical about the college that you go to, the ways that you better yourself if you just say to yourself, it's kind of easy straight from here. Right? There's actually value to people having to be under pressure and, and make real life decisions. Mm-hmm. Real-life decision. This is this is one of the reasons why I kind of like the model of there being family wealth, which no one really owns, but everyone has the benefit of. Mm-hmm. Again, I, there's lots of opinions on this. I'm not saying this is this is this is the best way. I, it just appeals to me, and it's and it's a direction I'll probably go with our family and our family wealth. In, insofar as I direct, you know, the, you know, w- w- what I'm responsible for or directly create but where my kids understand that, yeah, they need to go about their lives and, and pay their way in life and pay their dues. Um, get a job, have a career, pay their own bills. And, and by the way, the family bank does allow for you to have a low interest or no interest loan on, on, on a house or you know fund your, your master's or PhD if that's something you're interested in pursuing. Mm-hmm. There are advantages to being connected to this family, and here's the family wealth and what we do with it. Mm-hmm. And here's the property that we gather on once a year, twice a year, to enjoy each other. And, it, and it's enabled by this, this, this collective pot. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like that.
0: We are unfortunately running short on time. I feel like we literally just got started. I only have like a thousand more questions. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time, and I know we're, we're running short up on that. Um, one last question though, to you, which is a little bit more personal in nature is is in terms of legacy for you yourself, which I think then obviously gets expanded into your own family, gender, uh, legacy, et cetera, was how do you want to be remembered?
1: How do I want to be remembered? Um, uh, it's, it's a big question. It is a big question. (laughs) Um, I want to be remembered by my children as a man who was, who was wise and loving, um, a good listener, um, someone who was responsive to them uh, as a listener. Um, I don't. I'm not sure I really care how I'm remembered by the rest of the world. Um, there's a few people who I it really does matter to me and it's friends and family. Mm-hmm. I want to be remembered by my friends as someone who is loyal and, and, and there for them both when they needed me and not just in a moment of crisis, but also available in the mundane. Um, I, mean, I I think I could, I could segment out, each of the significant relationships that I have, my wife, my friends, my children, my brothers, my brother and sisters, and and there would be certain things that I would want them to remember me as. And and all of it relates back to those soft structures. Um, That I was someone who was courageous, Mm -hmm. that I was someone who was loyal, that I was someone who was trustworthy, that I was someone who extended grace uh, when others might have extended judgment um the i mean those are the things that ultimately matter um having millions of dollars or or, or having funded the wing of a hospital or hey, that's gonna matter to people i don't know and i have a hard time connecting with that yeah um so yeah, I don't know if that's enough to answer
0: your question. No, that's a it is. Um, it's an interesting one because I I often ask people that question, um, and in, in some of the marketing and brand work that I do, is is I ask the organization how how do you guys want to be remembered, and not just you know beyond generations, but just in any in, in interaction, you know. And I think you know that probably is the case for you and your business too, and, and, and your customers as
1: they they feel that integrity, they feel that. Um, Grace that you mention often yeah well and, and in the context of business it is that our values permeate everything that we do right Which which is which is right very consistent with how we started the conversation defining legacy as the sum total of our values and our culture and And of the aggregate of our choices uh, That's your legacy for better or for worse. So I want those choices to reflect the priority that I put on people uh, on relationship um, I mean that—that that to me is—is is, is at the center of the universe. Relationship is at the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Now we could wax theological on that, but, but it, we could we could we could wax familial on that. From a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint, just about everywhere I go, relationship is—it's—it's it's critical. It's—it's it's core.
0: Yeah, you mentioned in the very beginning of part of the book. One family, the Edwards family, and how that one legacy you know permeated generation to generation to generation to the point where you know they've left hundreds of leaders in various um, industry and politics, et cetera, and how another family, you know that was a criminal in nature, sort of amplified that and 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 created seeds of corruption and dishonesty, et cetera. Um, so obviously something very worthy of taking some time to reflect. And in light of that, I appreciate you taking the time today um, speaking about it, obviously writing the book, The Intentional Legacy, which I'm sure you can pick up at Amazon or book, st- book uh, store near you. Um, David, thank you so much today. This was fantastic. Uh,
1: thanks for inviting me, Peter. I'm glad, glad we could have the conversation. Excellent.